Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. So I, for one, am very excited for today's topic as we're going to be exploring a topic that is becoming increasingly relevant um, and increasingly relied on in today's economy, and that is the bank of mum and dad. So joining me to discuss this topic is not one but two guests that our listeners will be very familiar with by now. The first is the lovely Chelsea Burton, which if you haven't heard any of Chelsea's episodes, uh, Chelsea is a senior broker at an independent mortgage broking firm used exclusively by the property mentors and who specialises in investment property loans. Chelsea, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And also joining me is, of course, our CEO of The Property Mentors and our investment expert, Mr. Luke Harris. Welcome back, Luke. G'day, Phoebe. Hello, Chelsea. How are you? Very well, thank you. Guys, so for many young people, getting onto the property ladder, whether that's to invest or to buy a place to live, can almost seem like an insurmountable challenge at this point. We've got rising costs, we've got stagnant wages, making it difficult to save up enough money. So for many people, this is where the bank of mum and dad comes in as parents and other family members step in to provide financial support and help their loved ones achieve their goals, whatever that may be. So today I wanted to talk to you both about this in in more depth because I know both of you will be able to share slightly different angles on this, but I want to talk about, you know, how this arrangement works in practice, um, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of both sides, um, and just some of the realities that relying on family support in today's challenging financial landscape, what that looks like. So Chelsea, I want to start with you. Can you tell me what the bank of mum and dad is and is it just your parents giving you money or is, is there more to it? So Bank of Mum and Dad is basically, yes, parents helping out with a deposit and costs for a purchase. There's a few different ways that it can be done uh, and it all depends on the parent's financial situation. Uh, They can give you cash. They can uh, do an equity release on their home or investment property and give you that money Mm -hmm. or they can put one of their properties as security for your loan so that uh, it brings down your total loan-to-value ratio and you don't have to put in extra money. Yeah, okay. So there's a little bit more to it than just giving you cash as, as a nice offer. Giving people cash is not always something that people could do. Yeah, of course, yeah. And Luke, I've not only got you here today as our investment expert, but as also someone who is very open about the fact that when you started out, you were fortunate enough to be able to rely on the bank of mum and dad, Correct. Yeah, do, uh, I guess prices were a little bit lower back then, but I guess it's yeah. all, uh, all all relative compared to what it is now. A ten percent deposit now is very different to what it was back then. But I think I borrowed about fifteen or twenty thousand dollars from mum and dad um, when I when I first started. I, I had saved a deposit, but um, we saw we saw prices moving, and um, 
you know, I was very, very convincing uh, to mum and dad uh, when I was a little bit younger and um, they, uh, they wanted to help me get started because they knew that I was obviously very keen to get into the property market and they knew that property was safe uh yeah. as far as what they'd been through themselves and the growth that they'd seen in their own portfolio and their own um property investments and um yeah they they lent me some money to get started and I was very very keen to pay that back as quickly as possible mm. did you have any apprehension about asking your parents for this assistance at all didn't think twice <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> didn't think twice um no um for me it was it was look i i was in a position where I was looking at properties, mum and dad knew I was very serious about it. Um, the only reason I actually had to ask because uh, I was actually self-employed. So the banks actually just required a larger deposit. And you know, as a 19-year-old uh, going out there to look at property, being self-employed, uh, it was actually quite difficult. Yet one of my staff was an employee of mine. He went and bought his first home as a staff member of mine. Uh, mm. Because he was on a PAYG job, and and I think that was at the time where I had these conversations with mum and dad, saying, "Hey, um, I want to get into the property market. I've got my deposit ready, but it's not enough because I'm self-employed. So it was mm. just that extra little bit of uh, a little bit of a deposit uh, to yeah. help with getting that loan approved." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's obviously going to be so many different reasons as to why people would rely on the bank of mum and dad, apart from it just being very convenient for, for many. But I'll open this next question to both. What are some of the other benefits and then drawbacks of relying on the bank of mum and dad for financial assistance? I can start with you, Chelsea. So benefits are that you can avoid mortgage insurance, potentially. Um, also, potentially, it means that you don't have to have a deposit saved. Mm -hmm. So depending on how much cash or equity they've got, if you can get your loan down to under 80% of the value of the property that you're buying because you're adding equity from them, or cash from them, then you don't pay mortgage insurance. Um, potentially, if they've got enough equity in their property or enough cash, you don't have to come up with a deposit at all. Okay. Um, yeah, and it, it just means that you can get into property a lot faster than you probably would if you were trying to save yourself. And then I guess some of the drawbacks then? Um, drawbacks are that uh, you're putting your parents at a little bit of risk, mm. um, particularly if they're guarantoring. If they're giving you cash, there's not really any drawbacks to that unless they're expecting that money back and uh, family dinners get a little bit tense because you've been out spending money and they want their money back. Mm. Um, but if you are using their property as guarantor, then they're on the hook if you don't pay your mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. depending on their life stage, can have some pretty serious consequences. Mm -hmm. And Luke? Look, I think it, it can be benefit for a lot of people if if there's a good relationship to begin with uh, and the parents have seen that you have good money habits. I think that's probably the key thing to, to factor in here if, uh, you know, people getting into the market and a lot of people don't have good money habits and they're not good at saving and they haven't really put the effort in themselves. But a lot of parents, if they're in a financial position to do that, and it doesn't mean that everybody is, but for those parents that are in a financial position to help their kids out, most parents do want to help their kids at some level. It doesn't mean giving them money, mm. um, but if there is a mm. way to to help them get into the property market uh, without having to wait, then a lot of parents are open to that. It's just a lot of people not really understanding how to help their kids. And I think this is the mm. reason for the podcast today is just to explain to people what you can do if you want to help your kids or if you've got parents that might have a bit of equity, how to actually have this conversation with them. So 
send them a copy of this this podcast. Um, yeah. But uh, let the podcast do the work for you. But really, I think for a lot of people, it's it's understanding what's actually involved and what the risk is. So a lot of people think, look, if I want to help my kids out, then I'm going to have to give them money. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a gift. Uh, it could actually just be a loan. It could be between family members. Uh, obviously, how that's um, you know put down on your financials is different for each lender, and that's probably Chelsea's sort of area of expertise to discuss how that's um, presented to the banks. But from my perspective, mum and dad were looking at me saying, well, he clearly wants to get into the market. He's got some good money habits. Uh, he's been saving for a long time. He's got a deposit there. So he's definitely committed to this. Um, and they saw prices rising and they they knew that I couldn't save as quickly as the market was going up. So that from that perspective, they didn't want me to miss out on getting into the market um, because a lot mm. of people trying to save really can't catch up. So I think that's a, a reason why a lot of people will help their kids out because they can see prices rising and they know that if they have got good money habits, let's help them get into the market now. And of course, that's just managing that risk, like Chelsea said, you know, based on where you're at in life and what your uh, your own overheads are. A lot of people that are you know, nearing retirement age, if they've got some younger kids looking to get into the market, um, they may have paid off a large percentage of their home and they might be in a better financial position than they were 10 or 20 years ago when the kids were growing up. Um, kids are expensive. Mm. So when the kids move out, um, sometimes <laughs> that is an incentive going. It's, it's actually cheaper to help them buy a house because then they'll get out of my house and stop eating all my food. So there are reasons <laughs> for and against it. <laughs> That's a good one. So actually just on that, Chelsea, can you talk a little bit more to the fact that, you know, there is a way of doing it as more of a, a loan, but then there's also a way of it being a gift? Um, I think the, the legal term is non-refundable gift. That's right. So if you are giving your child cash, then the lender will want a letter from you saying that that gift is a not repayable gift. Yeah. Uh, as in not a loan. So mm -hmm. if it's a loan, then it has to be included with repayments on your child's borrowing capacity when they're applying for a loan and that can have a negative impact. Um, so it has to be a gift. What happens in the background after that, you know, if your child decides that they do want to pay you back, then they're more than welcome to. Mm. Um, but you can't have the expectation that it's coming back to you. Yeah, okay. That's a really good point to to bring up, I think. I do want to talk a little bit more about the more negative impacts it can have on the parents soon. But first of all, Luke, how has the Bank of Mum and Dad impacted the housing market, particularly for first-time buyers? It's it's hard to say whether there's been a huge impact because it's it's maybe bringing forward some people's purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, but keep in mind that there's a huge percentage of people out there that, that don't have parents that can help them. Mm. And there's a lot of parents that, that, you know, either don't own property themselves or they're just not in a financial position to help. So I don't know if sure. the, the bank of mum and dad has really made a huge impact. It's definitely helped a lot of people to get into the marketplace um, probably sooner than they would have anyway. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's had a, a massive impact. But those that, that are in that position, I think, are quite fortunate. If we look around the world, there's a lot of countries where owning a home is just never even an option. It's you know, it's renting mm. for life and that's sort of where we're heading in Australia over the next 10 to 20 years or so uh, where people are just growing up now expecting just to rent forever. So for those that are fortunate enough to be able to help their kids, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but as far as overall impact on the property market, it's probably not made a huge dent in the actual um, house prices as such. Okay, okay. So Chelsea, 
How can parents then ensure that their financial assistance doesn't negatively impact their own financial well-being in the future? So if they're giving their child cash, I think setting the expectation that cash is not coming back is the best way of doing that. Um, If they are going guarantor for their child on a home loan instead, so putting their property up as security, ideally putting an investment property up as security rather than your own home Mm -hmm. is a good idea. Um, And understanding your child's financial habits. So if they're coming to you and, you know, they've been full-time at work for the last eight years and they've saved $2,000 for a deposit in that time and they're coming to you saying, help me out, potentially chatting to them about improving their their saving and spending habits might be a worthwhile chat before you actually go ahead and and put your house up as security for their loan. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, if if they're showing good spending habits and they've got good savings, then... Um, you know, it, it's probably a much safer bet. The issue with the guarantor loan is that, so you're literally putting your house up as security as well as the child's house for a loan. So if they stop paying, mm-hmm. the bank will sell their property. And if that's not enough to cover the loan, they will sell your property too. Yeah, yeah. So, and that is a big risk. So there are some lenders who kind of limit your liability. So instead of being responsible for the entire loan, you're only responsible for your you know, 20% plus cost portion. That's a good way of, of limiting how much you're up for. Um, but also too, while you're guarantor on that loan, making sure that your child is making the repayments on the loan and checking in with them because the bank won't tell you if they're not. Yeah, okay. Um, and then having them, as soon as the equity in the house, the, the property price has grown enough where they can take you off as guarantor, getting your, getting your property taken off. Yeah, well, okay, so communication between families is really, really key here Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And if this isn't done properly, can this affect things like intergenerational wealth? Uh, I think yes, because if you if it's not done properly, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have a huge impact on intergenerational wealth if everything's done properly. Mm. If your child defaults on their loan and you have to sell your house as a result of that, that's obviously going to have a big impact on your lifestyle your ch- children's inheritance yeah. and, and how that's going to work moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Luke? Yeah, I think the the, the thing with um, affecting your, you know, overall wealth, intergenerational wealth and, and I guess your family's financial position, it, it really does, like Chelsea said, comes back down to how good your money habits are. I mean, every family is going to be different. If somebody saved up $2,000 versus saving up twenty or $30,000, um, everyone's going to handle that differently as far as how much they how much trust they put in their their children's um, financial I guess abilities um, but of course if they've been renting for a long period of time and you know they've managed to maintain a, a rental property and they've got some savings then it really does uh, impact on their commitment to buying a property um, if they're the type of uh, people that are sort of uh, buying a house seems like a good mm. idea at the time and they're not sort of committing to stuff long term that's where things could go wrong so um, most people if they're in a conversation with their kids about borrowing money or going guarantor on a loan um, you would hope that there's been other conversations around money habits and what their commitment levels are and you know to make sure that you've covered your own risk mm. uh, before going on uh, as a guarantor and um, like Chelsea said as the, the banks aren't going to actually just take you off as a guarantor. They want as much security for as long as possible. So if you do go guarantor or if you have gone guarantor for your kids five or six or seven or eight years ago, 
make sure that you go back and get yourself taken off as a guarantor um, because most likely the banks are just going to take you off automatically after a period of time going, well, well, there's enough equity in that property now. We're going to take them, take the parents off and give them a bit of a break. They won't do that. Um, so you would need to go and actually mm. ask to be removed as a guarantor, which will probably mean another valuation gets done on the property and it will be you know, a formal process rather than just a quick phone call. And uh, that's another way of mitigating that risk as well and just making sure that it's actually in your calendar after one or two or three or four years that you actually make an effort to get yourself removed as a guarantor. Oh, that's a really great point to make. So who are the experts that from the start of this process to all the way through, who's kind of the first and then maybe the second experts that you need to talk to to make sure this is all happening properly and that you, no one's getting stitched up in the end of it? Well, I think from from my perspective, um, the, the experts are probably, you, mm. you're going to need someone like Chelsea, someone as an yeah. expert in finance to work out what the options are because once you know your options then you can look at whether that's uh you know palatable for the family members involved um because if there's a, a cash transfer that has to be made if there's a um, property put up as security or if there's a guarantor position that's going to be different for every family member so i think speaking to uh, an experienced mortgage broker that's actually dealt with this many many times before uh, and when I say experienced, I mean somebody that's been around for a long time in mortgage broking, not somebody that's just mm. started in mortgage broking or your local real, real estate office that's got a mortgage broker sitting there on the weekends. You want a proper um, skilled mortgage broker that can look at all of these things. And Chelsea's experience really is is key for something like this to give all of the options because different lenders are going to have different scenarios that can play out. So one one might not need the parents to go as guarantor, but they might need a slightly um, a bit of extra security, for example, but it means the mm. interest rate is going to be lower. One of them might have a higher interest rate, but there's less risk for the parents. So all of these things need to be factored in yep. um, together. Talk to you know, talk to the mortgage broker. Make sure that you've got a really good understanding of all of your options. Some of them might be a little bit more expensive uh, as far as what the lender is offering. Um, but it might mean that it's a better outcome for the parents because there's less risk involved. So having those conversations first, but then having a, a, a proper family conversation around what's going on here, who's who's really at risk and what happens yeah, if something yeah. does go wrong. So if, let's say, for example, the kids are um, you know working hard and one of them loses their job, do they have income protection insurance? Little things like that that they can put in place to make sure that they have uh, ongoing income um, if, if they did lose their job so that they can meet those mortgage repayments if, if something did go wrong. The other thing that, that I see as a bit of a risk here as well is if you've got a, a – you see often a young couple will get together and um, the, the young couple gets together, they want to buy a house. One of them might have saved up a bit of a deposit or they might have saved up a bit together. And then the parents of one of the couples goes guarantor or helps out with the deposit on the home and then that couple – goes their separate ways. Mm. Um, that can be a very different situation. So if you've got one kid, your son or daughter, for example, wants to go and buy a house, that's fine. Your son or daughter and their partner want to go and buy a, buy a property, that brings in a whole other uh, layer of uh, risk because, you know, relationships don't always last. Mm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, and th there's the old saying that 100% of divorces begin with marriage, right? <laughs> so- so, so from that perspective, you need to make sure that you are looking after yourself. If you're helping out your your kid and their partner, 
or their spouse to make sure that there's proper documentation there if something did go wrong with that relationship to make sure that you and your kid are mm. protected in that. Uh, and that can be a financial agreement or some other agreement that's put in place that if you do go guarantor, you get the choice of what's what's going on if yeah. you were to help them out. And just make sure that um, you go into that knowing that as much as they might be together today and everything looks fantastic and they're all good, things yeah. can change. So always go in uh, with open eyes, make sure that you're saying, look, even though we don't expect this to happen, statistics show that relationships mm -hmm. don't last forever and that's fine. Let's put that on the table, have that conversation and accept the fact that if that does happen, this is what's going to happen with the house and with the guarantor and with the deposit and everything else. So all of those things need to be discussed as well and it's much cleaner and it's better for everybody to have those conversations up front than have to deal with it later down the track uh, when there's no documentation in place and there's the, the partner's family gets involved and there's all sorts of issues that can happen and, and it happens all day every day. Um, mm. because people go into these things um, blind. Now, that's generally for an owner-occupied situation. Um, Chelsea, you've probably seen many situations where people are using a guarantor or helping their using their um, their family to help them to get into an investment. I have. Um, from my perspective, I think that's probably a little bit safer because, you know, a, a, good, a good chunk of the mortgage payments are coming from the actual tenant. Um, and so I think that can mitigate some of the risk as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chelsea, have you you've seen many sort of different situations and relationships all play out in your time as a mortgage broker? <laughs> I have, I have. Um, buying an investment property with a guarantor, I definitely would say, is a lot safer for that exact reason um, that there's rent coming in. So yeah. as long as the tenant's paying rent, then you know most of the mortgage is covered, which is a much safer position for the parents to be in. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. people are more willing to sell an investment property. If things go wrong. Yeah, yeah, than the one they're living in. Yep, that makes exactly. sense. Yeah, for sure. So, guys, to wrap up, I just want to finish with some sort of final advice as to that you would give someone who is considering relying on the bank of mum and dad for financial support. I know you've kind of peppered it throughout this this episode, but if you're to leave everyone with one bit of advice age, what would you what would you go with? I'll start with you, Chelsea. I think going into it with your eyes open, you know, having good discussions, family discussions. People don't like to talk about money and they don't like to talk about their financial position. Yeah. That's but right. if you're going to ask your parents to go guarantor or if you're the parent going guarantor, you need to go into it knowing what your child's financial situation is and you need to be able to have open and honest discussions about that beforehand and ongoing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that's great. Luke? Yeah, I think transparency is key. So you need to have open and honest conversations with your family members about your position and, and what, what their position is so that everybody's clear. Um, don't hide anything. It's going to come up eventually anyway. Uh, it's going to wreck mm -hmm. relationships. It's not worth doing. Um, but I think the, the biggest bit of advice that I could give anyone going into the situation is that, look, it, it does work for a lot of people and it, it can be a win-win. If you both go into it knowing that it's a win-win outcome, uh, then it, it can be worth doing. But just know your risks before you get involved in lending family money for any reason, uh, getting involved in a guarantor situation or putting up one of your own properties as security. Know what your risks mm. are. And if you need to, if you're not comfortable with how it's all structured or if you're not sure, get legal advice. It doesn't, you know, as much as I hate dealing with lawyers when you don't have to, um, but, <laughs> you know, spend some money, go and get some legal advice from somebody that does either family law or, or contract law that can actually just make sure that there's an agreement between both parties 
And it, it sucks to have to put legal agreements in place with family, but at the same time, the relationship with your family is is more important. And I would suggest that if that's the case, put a legal agreement, even if you write it up yourselves, right? If this happens, this is what happens. And at least you've got some agreement between you so that everybody knows what happens because people forget and things can change one or two or three years down the track and mm. the whole the whole conversation was forgotten and all of a sudden you're in a different position. So just make sure that you're protecting yourselves to protect your relationship with your family. Yeah, it's clear that it plays a significant role in the financial lives of, of many young people, particularly in this current economic climate. But um, yeah, it's important to remember that parents should have that open and honest discussion with their children about their financial situation and their expectations as well. Um, and then while children should be realistic about what they can and can't afford and kind of why they're asking for this this assistance from the bank of mum and dad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's a that's another another good point just to mention in there as well is that um, sometimes the only reason they're looking for the, the bank of mum and dad to get involved is because they're spending more than they should be. Yeah. So yep. often, you know, it, it's it's probably putting things in perspective and Yes, I mean, my first property was $157,000. It wasn't in the nicest suburb in Perth. It what wasn't a dream. in it wasn't it wasn't in the best part. It wasn't in the best street. It was a house that was mm. good enough for me at the time and I was proud of it. It was my own home. Um did I want to spend two or three times that? Absolutely. If somebody had lent me the money, I probably would have borrowed it and maxed myself out. But at the same time, um it does make sense sometimes just to, you know, um, Scott, who uh, who works with Chelsea, always says, act your wage. I love that right? saying so, so much, yeah. <laughs> spend spend what you can afford. So sometimes going to the bank of mum and dad might mean that you're actually spending more than you should be anyway. And sometimes you just need to put a lid on it, um, swallow the, the pill, I guess, um, and buy something that's within your price range, um, suck it up, like they say, <laughs> and just live in something that's, you know, for a couple of years, get yourself into the market um, and then you can move on after that and upgrade later on. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both so much for your time today. It's always so great to learn from you both. Um, I know a lot of people will get a lot out of this and this will open the eyes of many people to uh, what the bank of mum and dad really involves. So thank you so much, guys. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks, Phoebe. If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.